Okay, welcome back. This is day three of this 21-day detox devotional. Remember, each week we are focusing on detoxing a different area of our life. And this first week we are focusing on our spirits. We looked at a couple of theme verses so far for these 21 days, like 1 Thessalonians 5:23, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to continue to lay the foundation with another passage, this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. This passage is written to church people, to believers, specifically to a group that had a lot they could detox. And it says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And yoked is a Bible word that we don't use much anymore. Yoked in the original Greek refers to the depth of the connection that you would have with a person. Similarly, a yoke is something you would put on livestock to keep them close together and going in the same direction. And this passage is using a yoke as an illustration, saying you should not be deeply connected with unbelievers. Obviously, we are to reach unbelievers, but we are not to share in the same activities, the same pattern of living as unbelievers. Don't get too closely connected with the world. Then Paul, the writer of this, launches into a series of questions to make his point. I'll pause after each question. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And Belial is another name for the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? And then that question launches him into some specific teaching. He says, For we are the temple of the living God. So no church building is a sanctuary. The Bible clearly states in Acts 7.48, the Most High does not live in temples built by human hands. There is no place in a church building that is holy. You are holy. God does not want to live in a building. God wants to live in you. You are the place where God wants to dwell. Then Paul quotes another place in the Bible. He, he quotes the Old Testament. It says, As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. God says that he wants to have more of a presence in your life, in your body, in your home, in every part of you. But God cannot do that if we are too connected to worldly things. So you and I must analyze what we are connected to and why. And we must come out of certain things in order to connect more deeply with God. Simply put, I need to ask, what is in here that should not be? The level that God is able to work in your life is determined by how close you are to God versus how close you are to worldly things. The passage goes on, Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Look how this plays out. Therefore, 
Since we have these promises, dear friends, what promises? That if we do those things, that we can get closer to God than ever before. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Again, that's what we are doing during these 21 days. We are engaging in a process of purifying ourselves from everything that contaminates us. We are doing this New Testament teaching. Yesterday, we introduced the idea of simply taking a week off from doubt. Yesterday, the emphasis was to starve doubt and feed faith by trusting what God says. Today, I want to introduce another thing to starve. Today, starve distractions. What is a distraction in your life you could starve? You chose a doubt yesterday, choose a distraction today. And this distraction, it may be a sin, it may not. It's most likely something in your life that you have no control over, yet you keep focusing on it. We all have things in our life we can't change. Something we closely monitor or focus on, believing we have some say, but it simply ends up being a distraction because we can't control it. As much as we'd like to think we can, we can't. And it may be something in life that you and I just need to starve for the rest of the week. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I know what mine is. But the goal of this podcast is to connect you to God and let him point out those things. Because the point is to think what God thinks. Starve a distraction to think what God thinks. I love this in Isaiah 26.3. He says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And my daily experience of peace is a matter of where I focus my thoughts. You know, we say, think good thoughts. Isaiah says, think God thoughts. Think about God. And you'll be amazed at the peace that comes. Notice it says here, perfect peace. There is not much that is perfect in the world. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The people around us aren't perfect. Our circumstances are not perfect. But God says, I want to give you my perfect peace. God's presence in the midst of an imperfect world. Not perfect conditions, but perfect peace. Not perfect emotions, but God's presence in the midst of our imperfect emotions. This idea that God can give us peace even in the midst of negativity. I know this is new for some of us. I just want to take one more run at this because it's so important to see. Jesus is our example. When you and I think of peace, we often think of no emotion. Just the absence of, of any intense emotion. Yet Jesus was always at peace. He was always in that place of peace. But you look at his life, he also had strong emotions. He was angry at religious leaders who were unjust to people. He was disappointed in his disciples, and he let them know. I mean, you could feel the irritation in his words at times. He was pressured, pressured in the Garden of Gethsemane as he looked to the cross. Yet in the midst of all this, he still enjoyed God's peace. The example Jesus shows us is that you don't have to wait until the stress is over. He can give you perfect peace. Not by changing our circumstances, but by changing our focus. Colossians 3.15 reads, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
And this is a struggle. You know, if I'm going through a time of stress, I wake up in the middle of the night and my, my first thought is not, the peace of Christ is ruling my heart and controlling my thinking. No, our first thought is to worry about what we are going through. Or if it's a relationship problem, we begin having imaginary conversations with the person in our mind that will never really happen. And then our hearts get more and more anxious. But it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Another way to translate that that verse, the, the ruling of your heart, another way to say it is to umpire your thinking. Meaning, let the peace of Christ be the call. Life throws you a curveball. Who is going to be the umpire? Is fear going to be the umpire? Fear that says, oh, here we go again. Or are you going to be the umpire of, I've got to control this and I've got to make this happen? Or is the peace of Christ going to be the umpire? Who is going to umpire your thinking? And when the peace of Christ umpires our thinking, We can come to him and say, Lord, whatever happens, I know that I won't be separated from you. Who is going to umpire your spirit? Starve the distractions and let the peace, the perfect peace of Christ, rule your heart. That takes us to our prayer emphasis for the day, which is our needs. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So just take a moment right now and over the course of this day and pray over your finances and over your health and over your family members, over your personal needs, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts.